Break It Down with Rick and Tim is also available to watch on YouTube. Oh, that was very bright and exciting and wonderful. It'll go great in there. I like it. And don't forget to check out our website. That's right. www.breakitdownwithrickandtim.com Tim. Hey, Rick. We are in the final quarter of the year 2022 in the year of our Lord, Donald H. Christ. In order to make America great and glorious again, I am tonight announcing my candidacy for President of the United States. <laughs> Donald H. Christ. In the United States of America. Magamaca. Magamaca. Magagaga. Make America great again and glorious. Is that what he said? Magagaga. Great Magaga. and glorious again. Magagaga. Yeah, that fool said Make something. Make America great and glorious again. Magagaga. Oh, my God. Make America How are you going to fit that on a hat? I don't know. Did you know Make America Great Again wasn't Donald Trump's slogan? Whose was it? It came from Ronald Reagan. Oh. For those who've abandoned hope. We'll restore hope and we'll welcome them into a great national crusade to make America great again. Yeah. A little bit of trivia. But I'm sure Donald Trump believes in his heart of hearts. That he came up with it and he copyrighted it. Yeah. That's something I've learned recently. Um, you can be a politician and you can take any sort of like stance by saying that you believe it in your heart of hearts. America today, are we better or are we worse? I hope we're better. I think we're getting better, but I don't think we are there yet. I think we got a ways to go. Well, you're listening to and watching Break It Down with Rick and Tim. My name is Rick. My name is Tim. We did that backwards, but that's okay. Because America today is backwards. Oh my God. It is backwards. We were doing so well during the Obama years. The hell's going on? I'm glad I'm Italian. I'm not white. (laughs) Why does it have to be the big chicken? Why does it have to be the big chicken? Why do you have to say it like that? I was right. Yes. It's Britney, bitch. You're a questionable person. This is a podcast where Rick, a Generation Xer, and Tim, a millennial, come together and try to find answers to our changing world. Break it down with Rick and Tim. All right. Mm. Some might disagree, but we had marriage equality. Women in all 50 states had complete body autonomy and privacy. The following clip is from The Daily Show with Jordan Klepper. Enjoy this hot mess. Barack Obama had a big part of 9-11. Which part? Not being around, always on vacation, never in the office. Why do you think Barack Obama wasn't in the Oval Office on 9-11? That I don't know. We'd like to get to the bottom of that. We don't even know if he's a citizen. Yeah, if, you, if you don't look at the birth certificate, there's almost no evidence there. Exactly. So there's nothing Barack Obama could do to prove that he was born here. Uh, if there was maybe witnesses that were attendants at his birth, 
Like his mother? Would you listen to no, his mother? No, no, no. She has motivation to lie. Will someone please tell that, MAGA idiot, Obama's mother died in 1995, 14 years before he became president? Thank you. I would say the extreme right, they were making claims that Barack was giving out free cell phones, that he was not a United States citizen. Okay, so people getting free cell phones, people getting Which was not true. Okay, even if it was. So people now have access to the network so that they can take phone interviews, they can call for services, they can do all sorts of wonderful things with a cell phone, trust me. It is a godsend. It's a necessity. Right? And so, sure, Obama phone, even if it existed, how is that making your life worse? And people were upset regarding Obamacare, healthcare for all. Okay, healthcare for all. Again, going back to how we dealt with healthcare before, uninsured people would go to the emergency room and they would have outrageous bills and they relied on public services and things of that nature that we fund as the public to cover some of those expenses through grants and or whatever they, they do uh, with covering those needs. In the extreme right, didn't like homosexuals getting married because of the children. Sure, sure, we'll give them that. Uh, you know, was, the gays was their, was their rallying cry and Obama wrecked that for them. But again, how is that causing like damage to the economy? How is that causing damage to the country really? It, other than it just being, you know, a moral, you know, poke in the eye of conservatives. Well, I think the extreme right has always banged the pots and pans and never provided solutions. Right, but the talk is that everybody was doing so terrible under Obama. When in fact we weren't. We weren't. We we weren't. No. We were doing really good. I thought so too. It's like I think people are going to look back on them as the golden years. Right. And he had a very high rate of deporting criminals. He did. Um, it was he deported a lot of people. You know, but he wasn't putting children in cages. No, he went about it from a different perspective. He he said, "Look, um, we shouldn't have criminals here. If there are criminals, you come into this country and you commit a crime, um, you're out. You're out. Yeah, right. Which makes sense. And if you come into this." Cr- country illegally and you're a child you're in a cage now right Uh oh it's crazy so if we were to go and just look at that lens for a moment of what we just talked about we've got this thing where obama this extreme left crazy extreme is deporting a ton of people now that's not a, a far left thing that's a in the middle thing that's a neutral ground thing. That's something we all can agree on. But you had one side who was saying he's so far left. That everything he does is just so far left. Yeah. And, and that's the problem that we're at in America today is we have been pulled so far right that the moderate is now the extreme left. And that's a problem. And Congress was a stalemate for him. And Congress was a stalemate for him. And Congress will now be a stalemate for Joe Biden. But we have a Senate. We do have a Senate. And we there are a lot of Democrats in the House Republicans in the House Republicans. <laughs> in the House of Representatives. 
it'll be interesting. I'm sure there's going to be some bipartisan work. So, I mean, but but at the end of the day, we're going to go back to stuff will happen. We'll pass things in the House and it'll die in the Senate. But here's the other thing. I think given how our election went, that House is going to be very hard to control for Kevin McCarthy because now any of the Republicans, any of them, especially the extremes, you know, they're going to take advantage of this, can hold things hostage by saying, no, I'm just going to abstain from my vote or I'm going to vote with the Democrats if you don't give me this. Yeah, that's nothing new, though. No, but it might work to our favor. Mm. It might also work to their favor, though, like the extreme right. I'm worried about that. Without objection, the gentlewoman is recognized for one minute. I've introduced articles of impeachment on President Joe Biden. America Today, as a human being in this country, there are 11 states that do not allow women autonomy over their body. As a gay man, I'm next. Well, they shouldn't. Well, but they shouldn't have autonomy over their body, Richter, because God created them from man. And man should have autonomy over women's body and their local political leaders. And this past week, the Senate was attempting to codify same-sex marriage because Clarence Thomas let it out that marriage equality <laughs> is on the chopping block. Right. And Next. I. what's crazy is if that happens, I'm going to be sending that straight to my friend, Shout out. I'm not going to call you by name, but shout out. You know who I'm talking about. Her name is Becky. Becky. Jesus Christ, Becky. It's Donald H. Christ. Donald H. Christ, Becky. <laughs> she was all for kicking the women's rights back down to the States. And I told her gay marriage is going to be next. And she's got a, you know, she has people in her family who are gay and she was like, I don't think that's going to happen. I'm like, <sighs> we both Donald H. Christ, <laughs> Becky. Okay, we got to do the same side at the same time. We just ready? did. We don't. Go, why do we got to do it again? Because it was funny. Ready? We just. It, it was funny once. Uh, no, I did it by myself. We got to do it. Again. I know it's funny because you're doing it by yourself. It's only funny because we did it together at the same time. It was in the moment. Why do we got to do it again? Fine. <sighs> there you go. Now you can put us together, Daddy. Good God. <laughs> it was precedent is the problem. It was precedent for the Supreme Court to say, hey, we're going to blow up the federal government. Watch this. We're going to kick everything that we have been working for at a federal level to protect the rights of our citizens that the federal government has for personal protection, and we're going to kick it back down to the states. And that's scary because what comes next we're already looking at equality, like racial equality laws. Then we're going to be looking at like discrimination laws probably next and all sorts of laws that are just going to go back to the States. And some of these States are going to, they're going to, they're going to turn real unfriendly. Florida, Texas, Alabama, just to name a few. And now it's time to let's quiz Tim. Tim, Rick, what 11 states have made abortion illegal? That is a lot of states. 
Okay. Name some off the top of your Name head. Name some off the top of my head. Okay. Georgia? No. Nope. They haven't. Um, okay. I'm going to say Alabama. Tennessee. Oklahoma. Uh, Mississippi. He's on a roll, boys and girls. Uh, Texas. Um, shit. Colorado. No, not Colorado. They 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 are a little liberal there. Um, shit. I, what did uh, something in me wants to say the Dakotas? Nope. Nope. Yes. Yes. South Dakota. South Dakota. There's a Dakota. Nobody cares about the South Dakota. It is the South Dakota. Um. Uh, Iowa. Uh, Iowa. Idaho. Um. Potatoes. Shit. Now I'm stuck. Arkansas. Damn. Hold on to your fetus, girls. He's on a roll. Jesus Christ. Donald H. Christ. Uh, what have I... Okay, so I have forgotten... To, hey, you know what? Eight is pretty darn good. Don't tell me yet. Hold on. Um, I'm, I'm thinking here. Can I give you a hint? Nope. Um, yeah, Arizona. No. no. No, no, no. Don't give me... I saw you do like an A, so stop. Stop mouthing things out. Michigan. No. Oh, okay. Michigan was a swing today. Mm. Um, Montana. No. Really? Montana? Missouri. No? Missouri. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Kentucky. 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 Yeah, Kentucky. Kentucky. I should have got Kentucky. So Alabama, Arkansas, Idaho, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, Oklahoma, South Dakota, Tennessee, and Texas. I did that pretty good, to be wow. honest. God. Ladies, get out of those states. Well, those companies are moving out of those states. You did really good with that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. It makes you smart. You are aware of... That is true. Sometimes I wish I were not aware because ignorance is bliss. (laughs) And I got a twitch like you do. Did you notice that? Your right eye twitches. Does it? Yeah. You'll see it in the camera now. All gay men twitch. Ew. Hate it. What? Four criminal investigations are happening right now as we speak for that former criminal president. There's the the New York probe. Ding, ding. Yes. There's the Georgia probe. Ding, ding. Yes. There's the um, Justice Department probe. Ding, ding. Yes. And I think there's one more, uh, January 6th, and his dereliction of duty, or basically not stopping his mob. Was it? The Department of Justice investigation into stolen classified records at Mar-a-Lago. The violations of the Mar-a-Lago classified records being confiscated, uh, it's under the Espionage Act and can lead to a prison sentence of up to 10 years. Oh, wouldn't that be something? Now, the Justice Department into January 6th, one of those laws... Yes, I was sent to jail for a while. One of those laws makes it a crime to obstruct Congress's official business, while the other makes it a crime to conspire to defraud the United States. Right. The first carries a maximum penalty of 20 years in prison, while the other calls for a maximum sentence of five years. Okay. And remember, here's the thing. All these are maximum sentences that you're talking about, which means that they're going to get a slap on the wrist of anything. It, it, it never amounts to anything. All it is is a conviction, is what right. they're looking at. And that's it's a symbolic conviction. Now, in regards to Georgia... That's a state. That's different. Yes. 
Georgia law makes it a crime to solicit another person to commit such a felony. Also, another state law specifically makes it a crime to engage in criminal solicitation to commit election fraud. If convicted of either crime, Donald H. Christ shall be punished by imprisonment for not less than one nor more than three years. That's definitely a slap on the wrist. Well, it said, but no, no less than one year. So that means you'd get at minimum one year jail time. Right. Which, can you imagine putting Donald Trump away for a year? Oh, I would love to see that. Right. But then you have to remember he's going to come out and he's going to emerge a political hero. The New York investigation into the Trump organization. While some of the criminal statutes Trump may have violated carry penalties of only a few years in prison, others carry maximum sentences up to 20 years. Oh, wow. There you go. Who coined... Make America Great Again. Reagan. Right. During his 1980 presidential campaign. Right. But Donald H. Christ would <laughs> lead you to believe. I love that. that. I love that. It would lead you to believe that he coined the phrase. Can I say something that's going to be awfully contradictory to, about my attitudes and behavior toward that man maybe i am so sick and tired of seeing him everywhere he has taken over our airwaves our oh yeah he's back and yeah yeah what's that but, song that but, rapper shady's back how's it go oh guess who's back back again oh yeah it's a uh, slim shady oh no i'm just and I'm, uh yeah well you i mean of course you didn't see this coming he is the most... I knew he was coming Here's back. The nice no thing. Here's the nice There's thing. No he came back too soon. He he had a premature... Yes. Uh, panic. He really kind of panicked. Well, here's what it was. Is he? He's. You're right. He's panicking, and he, he needs money. So if I start campaigning now, I can start asking for donations now. And then I have something to do, and I have money coming in. He's already polling scams uh, through other campaigns. If I remember correctly, uh, I saw on the news that he was collecting donations for Herschel Walker, maybe. And most of the donations actually went to his campaign. Of course. Or his ultimate grifter. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, we'll look at what happened right after the, (laughs) right after the election, save America, donate now. And it all says there in the small print, you know, it's going to the Trump organization. Yeah. And, you know, whatever. It's going to them, period. It was just a money grab. All it is with him is a money grab. Fortunately, people are turning away from him. Rupert Murdoch, Fox News. We're getting there. We're getting there. Uh, Murdoch, who also owns the New York Post. Trumpy Dumpty. Yeah. And at the very bottom of the cover page, Florida man makes announcement. That's hilarious. Page 26. <laughs> 26. So I think, and I'm very hopeful, that the people that helped enable Trump to become president are now going to be going into the corner of DeSantis. Yeah, Ron DeSantis. Yeah, Trump is really good at coming up with names and labels and things like that and branding. Right, you really do like objectifying people. I do. Right, you do. And that's, you know, 
that's the problem part of my with charm. America. But that's the that's that, and I think is a good lens into what America is today. We are very surface level, and we love objectifying people and objectifying things. I don't think it's wrong to objectify people that have somehow harmed or uh, influenced things in a negative action toward your life. DeSantis can't say gay. Like how he's treating transsexual people. So the LGBTQ, like me, are deeply affected by that man. So therefore, I will make fun of him. Donald Trump, I right. will make fun of that son of a bitch until I'm dead. Right. Elenia Muschina, with what he's done with Twitter, with which I absolutely loved and adored for communication and getting from my news and et cetera. I would get my news from Twitter before I would get it from CNN. Look what he's done to that. That's, again. So I'm, getting, I'm worked up. Getting okay. worked up. You're so getting worked up. I but don't, again. I, I don't objectify good guys. Right, but I also there's a lot of there's a lot to unpack with what you just ranted about, and one of the things I want to I want to touch on again is is you and I and I mean this in the most sincere way, you are almost the perfect example of where things have gone wrong. You get your information from Twitter. You're okay with objectifying people. Yes. You. Yes. Are okay with a, your a Karen? Okay. So and 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 again, I want to say in the best possible way. the The reason I say this is because that's the problem with with America today is that we are we've made it okay to stoop down to that lowest level. Now, if we're doing it in terms of comedy, sure, why not? But let's also recognize the harm that that does. Because there are people out there who care for Donald H. Christ. (laughs) President Trump, if you see this, please save us. (laughs) I don't even see our American flag anymore. As I objectify him. Um, (laughs) Right? But we're doing it for the point of comedy in this case. And yes, it is to mock him and to cause harm to this community. And we have targeted that community. We know which community we're harming. It's the community of the MAGA, right? So when, it's, when we talk about, yes, um, ca- objectifying people that cause us harm, I can see, yeah, how it's okay in some circumstances. But I also want to be careful uh, that the objectification of the person does not take the from the the importance of the topic which we are discussing because then the person is well why did you call them a name and they're not focused on the actual issue so it's also about timing well the reason i like to come up with names for these people is because it's funny it is funny and laughter heals and it can also damage okay generation z Laughter is medicine. It's very important. And I do not like saying their names, especially Twitler. Twitler. Because to me, if you say their name, you're giving them power. By coming up with names and ridiculing them, I'm not giving them power. I'm stripping them of power I... and putting a smile on my face. I, uh, well, yes. I, but I also want to caution you. Because, again, this is what, and I I tell this to my students, uh, 
when I hear you calling them a name and spending all this time doing that, I mean, yeah, you probably feel fantastic, but what are you feeding emotionally? What am I feeding emotionally? Yes. I'm releasing. I don't think you're releasing. I think you're feeding something. You're allowing yourself to get into essentially an echo chamber in your head. It's saying, I want to come up with a name for this person, just like Donald Trump does. Roland the Sanctimonious. I'm going to call him. That's one of the good things he's come up with, actually. I didn't think it was that great, to be honest. I mean, well, it stuck. It did stick. (laughs) Not a lot, to be fair, not a lot of his names have stuck lately. Think of one recently besides that one. MAGA has stuck. That's a, an old one. Uh, exactly. Hillary Clinton. An old one. He would make names up about her. Sure. But I'm Crook- talking about... Crooked Hillary. Sure, but that, but but it's old. He's, pa- he's past his prime. Although Ronda Sanctimonious, people thought that that was gold. See, that's great. It, it fits. It works. It works a little bit. Yeah. It's one of his rare good ones. But again, and maybe it's just this is a, a culture clash here. Uh, from my perspective, you have to be careful not to let the name comedy overshadow what you're talking about. So just be, be careful. Hmm. We've had six years of trauma because of that orange flesh bag. We, we have. You know, so... And he, Apparently is not going any way, Merrick Garland. But maybe now with the new special prosecutor, that Jack Smith that they're bringing on, maybe yeah, something's we'll going to happen. I don't know. I'm always idealistic and optimistic. It's to my detriment, actually. And I always think good things are going to happen. Right. And it's a flaw, to be honest, because so, I, I'm always of letting good myself things down. Things that have happened. The election was essentially a good thing. Right. Well, yes. For the most, there was no there was, red wave. There was no red wave. Uh, women's more, rights was protected in a lot of states. Every state. Every state that, not, they, voted that they voted on. Because we also want to state that some women live in states that is not protected still. Uh, during that election, though, this is the thing I want to talk about. We talked a little bit about white rage and this hyper-masculinity and this fragile masculinity. This idea now that when we go out into public, we have to be hyper-aware and hyper-vigilant of everybody around us because you never know when somebody's going to pop off. It happens when you least expect it, while you're dropping off bottles. And the polar opposite, the being aware of not to offend somebody because they're right. like, my neighbor is hypersensitive. sensitive I can't even fart without being called a racist. Right, well, your farts are often very dark. (laughs) (laughs) But sense of humor, uh, comedy, just, you know. Right, exactly. Personality, there are certain things that need to be, context is very important. Some people just don't get context. That's true. You know, for example, the N-word, that's just off the board entirely. You should never, no one should ever say that word, regardless of your skin color. I don't care. So many people have died hearing that as the last thing they were called on this earth. And I'm sure that, and, and, and from your perspective, that it makes 100% sense. And it does for mine too. But what I've learned is that there's a different relationship with that word because at my work I hear it 50 to 100 times a day, I swear to God. It's not a part of 
who I am to use that word. I understand why other people do. It's impossible for me to do it because I know the history. And I know that for so many of my relatives whom I don't know, who I don't know by name, people who I am connected to, my ancestors, that was the last word they heard hmm. as they were being strung up by a tree. That was the last sense of uh, degradation that they, 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 that they experienced as you know, some harm was, was, was caused to them. I just, it's just not a part of the fabric of who I am. And in my trainings that Donald H. Christ outlawed for a while, um, I learned that there is a relationship with that word and you have to understand it, right? There's a difference between uh, a hard R and a not hard R, right? And it's a difference. But at the same time, like you should be able to, like I, I should be able to tell my students either form isn't okay in my class because it's not part of what I'm perpetuating in my class. Do you see a difference in people who use the word with an A at the end of it as opposed to an R? Oh, no. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. You're talking semantics. No. I do, out of respect to who I am and where I've come from, I don't use it. Jay-Z and many others and I have agreed to disagree. Yeah, about when it. you hear it in songs and stuff. I mean, yeah. Do you... uh, well, I'm not listening to those songs. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think I'm going around listening to the songs where it's being played all the time. I'm not. I just personally am not. Do your students know who Maya Angelou was? I'm sure they don't. Some might. Because that's a word that she would never say. And she says that words are things and don't use racial pejoratives. And that words can get into your upholstery, your clothing, your hair, and eventually get into you. Words are things, I'm convinced. You must be careful about the words you use or the words you allow to be used in your house. In the Old Testament, we are told in Genesis that in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God and the Word was with God. That's in Genesis. Words are things. You must be careful. Careful about calling people out of their names, using racial pejoratives and sexual pejoratives and all that ignorance. Don't do that. Someday we'll be able to measure the power of words. I think they are things. I think they get on the walls. They get in your wallpaper. They get in your rugs, in your upholstery, in your clothes, and finally into you. And I think that it's true. Words carry tremendous meaning. Right. And just the F-A-G word I've been called my entire life. It's just like, I'll be called that, Tim, sure. after I'm dead right. because of the Bigfoot world and because of sure. the impact I had in Bigfoot. Right. You went into a, a space where that culture existed, right? That hateful, uh, misogynistic, sexist, uh -huh. racist, uneducated. Right. You know, MAGA. Right. You wouldn't yeah. be the only person to be attacked by that group, right? You look at, you know, if a person of color went into that group, what are they going to be called? Well, there's probably a very good and valid reason why there were only three African-American men in the world of Bigfoot at one time. There you go. That were public. That were doing some kind of media. YouTube. Uh, Reggie Bird did a 
Finding Bigfoot episode, mm. and he's an African-American male, very heavily into paranormal. People of color and gay men, like me, are not welcome in certain subgroups of our country. Right. So there have been lines drawn, and we're about ready to have those lines drawn again, especially for people who are gay or just LGBTQ in general, right? Because if all goes as Clarence Thomas wants it to, that's all going to get kicked back down to the states, and there are going to be states who are going to take away that marriage equality. Probably, they're probably going to do just like they did with um, women's rights and put those laws on the books, so that when Clarence Thomas kicks it back down, those laws go immediately into effect, which is scary. And so it comes back to our election and white rage and my problem with how our politicians approach campaigning. It's a fight. It's aggressive. And when you have a fight, that means that lines have to be drawn and people are going to battle. There will be death. There will be mourning. There will be triumphant victory, but at a cost, right? So we need a culture shift in this country. And we need to, instead of leading with, I'm going to go to Washington and fight everybody all the enemies for you. I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to fight for what you need. We need to change it to, I am going to work. I'm going to... The vernacular to, needs to change. It does. I'm going to approach this from the perspective of empathy. I'm going to approach it from the perspective of, hey, this is a great idea. Let's look at who benefits from it, but let's also evaluate who it hurts, and let's make sure that we account for that so that nobody uh, gets hurt in our community, and that's really the idea. Here's my example. At my school, our students were not eating lunch during lunchtime, and then after lunch, we would have fifth period, and we had uh, groups of students that would go down to the cafeteria and grab food that was, you know, snack food or get a top ramen or something that was an alternative to the lunch, and they would have a little mini lunch during fifth period. So our school decided that they were going to close the cafeteria after lunch and nobody would be allowed in the cafeteria or have access to uh, the microwave after lunch during fifth period. And they approached the whole student body by saying, you're not going to be allowed to come down to the light. They approached it by calling out the bad behavior, saying there's been too many students down here eating uh, lunch after lunch. You guys have plenty of time to eat lunch. You should eat lunch in the cafeteria during lunchtime. We're going to close the lunch room after lunch during fifth period, and you guys aren't going to be allowed in the lunch room during fifth period. And that's just the way it's going to be. And that approach is the problem with America. It's us telling people this is how it's going to be, where it needs to change. There needs to be an accountability, right? The approach needs to be hey, students, we have fallen into a bad habit. We have allowed ourselves to not value our class time. And what that means is during lunch, some students aren't eating. And during fifth period, they are using that time to eat and to have lunch. We have allowed it as a staff, and we need to retrain ourselves as a community to revalue or to reprioritize our education and our class time. So we're going to close down the cafeteria during fifth period 
to retrain ourselves to use our time wisely and to value our education. Is that working? We didn't approach it that way. Oh, no. That's the, that's the approach I wanted to take and I would have taken if I would have been given the opportunity. Well, with today's politics and the whole got to go and fight, the vernacular. Right. That's the problem. Everybody's got to fight. Everybody's got to be aggressive. They got to be hyper masculine. They got to have white rage. But then we have President Biden talking about empathy. Or rage in general. I got to put a white on it because people are going to be like, wow, wow, blah, blah. And we have President Biden pretty much being the only person talking about coming together, working right. together, bipartisan, you know, normal Republicans. Right. Look at Marjorie Taylor Greene. She's the the hugely far right, and she is so excited to be part of all these investigative committees. Mm-hmm. I'm going to investigate Biden and yeah. all them, all the investigations. I'm like, what a waste of taxpayer money, and what a waste of brains. Yeah. And Bobert. She won. Yeah, I know she won. And McCarthy. McCarthy. I mean, what is McCarthy going to do? McCarthy's going to have no control over this Republican Congress. It's going to be out of his hands. Yeah. (laughs) It's going to be a show. It is. And this coming 2024 election is going to be chaos. It's going to be absolute. Well, no, because here's the reason why. Because this is, and this is very important, across the board, there were local candidates on the ballot that were election deniers that would have been put in place that were bidding for a seat that would allow them to have control over elections and all of them lost yes democracy wins just democracy won and i that's why i believe democracy is going to win in 2024 there is a light at the end of this tunnel then i think that the 2022 elections these elections i think gave us that relief that all the states can go through the process just like they did in 2020 and they can do it successfully even with the media blowing up and everybody around them blowing up. I mean, yeah, Arizona took a long time. Cyber images, whatever the hell that was. Um, but I think that we've had enough time that all, all the states have put in place. I mean, there, it, it started. We had election, you know, poll watchers with guns. Security is being stepped up around Arizona ballot drop boxes after a number of incidents, including armed individuals showing up at polling locations in Maricopa County. Yeah, the voter intimidation was right. pretty bad there. In and Arizona. well, and it only took one time for people to see it and go, Ooh, that could lead to something bad. And there were the sheriffs the next day or when, whenever they got there. I mean, they, they responded, which was nice. But yeah. My favorite source for news, MSNBC on television. Rachel Maddow. Watch this space. Oh, boy. She's my hero. Is she? Yes. And she has a small podcast series called Ultra. And it's dedicated to what happened in the early 1940s and how America's democracy was in danger back then because of white supremacy Hmm. and Hitler's Nazi regime Hmm. having a tremendous influence over certain politicians in our country at the time hmm. who were working to take away our whole system of democracy ah, and put in... So like the Lindsey Grahams and An Ted American Cruises version of Hitler. And... It's very shocking because they don't talk about this in our history books oh, growing sure. up in high school. That's crazy. And this podcast has 
news excerpts and actual audio clips from the the news radio stations from back in the day. It's it's very interesting. Yeah, I can imagine he probably had allies in the United States that were oh, like, yes, this is did. a great way of life. Let's get on board. Let's, you know, let's do what needs to be done. Yeah. Let's wipe this slate clean. And then fast forward 40 years when Ronald Reagan was our president and when he was running for president, he had a great quote. It's probably one or two of the only good things that that man did as president. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. And that is so true. It is. Because it's so easy for people to forget how fragile democracy can be. And that that I have to be. As Tim decides to go and piddle away his democracy. Piss away my democracy. (laughs) You can tell which one of us is straight. Piss versus piddle. Tim is a heterosexual male. Not by choice. You didn't choose to be straight? I didn't choose to be straight. Even though the media depends on frightening viewers to tune in and watch every second breaking news, we talked about that before, there is some good news. Ron DeSanctimonious was dealt a blow. And this is according to the Tallahassee Democrat. The Tallahassee Democrat. Yes, it's from Florida. Just over a week after Governor Ron DeSantis declared that Florida was where woke goes to die, a federal judge blocked another key provision of the state's Stop Woke Act, calling positively dystopian its limits on discussion of race, gender, and other topics in university classrooms. There's hope. That just doesn't make any sense. Well, he made the word gay illegal in Florida. Which is ridiculous. I would be fired so fast. And he sent immigrants, illegal immigrants, to Martha's Vineyard. I think there's money missing from that. Just Like a million bucks. Taxpayer money. Just these extreme governors. Well, it's all a show. They're trying to grab the people who like the show. Like... Look at, I mean, let's be real here. If people who go to the Trump rally, they go there for a show. They want sound bites. And so Ron DeSanctimonious, as you so eloquently like to put it. I, um, co- I coined that. Did you coin that one? I did. I you took did. it from the Twitter. Right. Um, right out the toilet. Um, but uh, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> On the eighth day, God created yeah. DeSantis. Yeah. You saw that commercial. I didn't see the commercial. I heard about the commercial. I, but it's, it's one of those things where I was like, I really don't need to see it. I can just hear about it. And who is he playing to? The religious base. And on the eighth day, God looked down on his planned paradise and said, I need a protector. So God made a fighter who have now turned their backs, supposedly, allegedly, on the orange flesh bag. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. So whoever Christian coalition, the Federalist Society, favors will be the nominee. Right. So it's really going to be down to Pence versus DeSantis, because you know Pence is running. Oh, of course Mike Pence will run. But do you think that, that it, 
they really are going to abandon Donald Trump? Yes, because of this recent election. They lost millions of dollars because of that man. Millions. Yeah, they did. Hundreds of millions of dollars. They lost a lot. And what do... They lost a lot of elections. And what do Republicans hold dear above human life? Money. Exactly. Trump is out. He doesn't know it. He doesn't see it. He's too narcissistic and arrogant, but this is his third time running, and he's only won once. Won once. Well, and, and it, it wasn't even by really, popular vote. It wasn't by popular it's just vote. Just by never won the popular vote. Yeah, the popular vote has been out of his reach. Yeah. And it's because the all the millions of people who voted in California that were immigrants. I am hopeful now, but I'm getting to the point, Tim, where I'm tired of the fight. I'm tired of. So stop amping yourself up. Just relax and let. Let it wash over you. Just accept it. But I have to turn on MSC, MSNBC in fear of missing out. I got to see what I'm got to watch. Why do you have a fear of missing out, Rick? Well, it started because of 9-11. Right. So what good is it to know everything? I think it's an addiction. You're right. And it's a habit. And we are creatures of habit. And it's learning to turn it off. Every morning... I wake up after my alarm goes off. I roll out of bed and I go into the bathroom. I sit on the toilet and I start scrolling through the news. Well, I do my number two. <laughs> and then after that battle, I jump in the shower. But the first thing I do, I realize when I wake up is, you know, jump into the media and now I'm trying to be intentional just to sit there in my own thoughts in the morning so I'm not so, you know, crazed. What I think adds to my hypertension in regards to fear of missing out politics and whatnot is this device called the cell phone, the oh, smartphone. Yeah. And you get all the little notifications and alerts. I had it set to only big news alerts but now cnn is sending me everything stupid the most bizarre like right now here from cnn we made a mistake is a quote from somebody about how grace and john fell in love in the 1980s the hell why am i getting stupid stuff like that little you know happy stories about a a married couple that broke up back in the day i'm now getting that in my Breaking news news feed. Right. So you, you get so, you got so many notifications, Rick. Jesus Christ. It's not just, yeah, your ring, your Twitter, CNN, Instagram, local news, your shark. This is why I have anxiety. This is why you have anxiety. You need to turn off push notifications on everything. But you they, don't need them. I would miss out. On what? Everything. So... How would I know if my little shark vacuum decided to stop working? I got the little notification. How do I know if my partner in the podcast messages me? I get the notification. How do I know when it's time to eat? Based on my caloric intake, I get the notification. Okay. There's a few things that maybe you need, but what is actually causing the anxiety here? The things that you don't necessarily need to respond to in the moment, right? So I used to get notifications all the time too, but then I realized, why do I got to respond 
right then? Why do I got to see this right then? Is everything time sensitive? Does it have to be? If somebody gets mad at me for not being time sensitive to their social media post, fuck you. I have a family that I'm trying to spend time with. I don't need a notification all the time, right? Right now, the only notification I really get is from my litter box. Every time my cat takes a shit, it tells me. Mainly because I haven't taken the time to turn it off yet. But that's the thing. We get so caught up in what's going to pop up next. Yeah. As if we have any power or control over it. You do. Rick is visually dumbfounded. Can't turn it off. Yes, you can. I can't. Rick, we're going to do this on air. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> See what I mean? The anxiety is there ah. because now what is the fear of missing out? Do you need... No- Here's the thing. Anytime you feel like you need to know what's going on, you can open up the CNN app and look. That's what I do. And I pull it open... Maybe it's not CNN, I use a different app, and I've tailored my stuff, and it's not perfect, but it's interesting. I have it set up mostly for my statistics class, I need to change that. But, like, you need to have control over when you get your information. You can't let them control when it comes to you, because then you're just sitting there waiting underneath whatever for whatever to drop, you know? You're just waiting for... For, for somebody to feed you. And that's the problem. Because, and, that's, and we have the device right there at our fingertips, right in our mouth. Ah, sorry. Did that we again, need. Right? We have the device right in our face. We have the device right in our face, in our mouth. Ah, you need to just chill out. I've been there. Do it again. You need. <laughs> they have the device right in our mouth. Fingertips. Ah. They have the device right at our fingertips. Again. They have the device right at our fingertips, right in our mouth. Ah. Again. Why? Stop. Why are you making me do this again and again? It was funny. You're going, ah. ah. I know. I know. <laughs> I was doing that because you thought it was funny. <laughs> I think in an ideal situation for me, if I was successful in film and video production when I'm done with school, having an assistant that I could hand this device over to so that I could focus on my job and what needs to be done, that would be great because this would be a tremendous weight lifted off my shoulders. Right. But because I'm not there yet and because I've got school emails and your messages back and forth. Sure. You know, it, that that's great. If I could just minimize my life to just that. So let's start by turning off the CNN notifications, all of them. Every single one of them. Every single one because you know that you have the app. You don't know how. So open up the app. This is the other thing. I'm teaching my students how to code from the ground up. And these are kids that they are rock bottom. And it's all just a matter of logic. So why? Is that under notifications? Notifications. Here you go. Notification style. You've got all these blah, 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 blah. CNN. Okay. Click it. Banner style sounds and badges. I don't get any sounds from them. Just turn it all off. But I want the big news. No, you don't. You don't want the big news because you want to know why? This is what they do, Rick. There you go. I turned it off. There you go. Because, and I want to tell you why. 
because that they'll they they make crap big news. They make big news that tries to suck you back into getting everything, and then the thing goes through an update and defaults back to everything, and you don't even realize it, and then you're stuck with getting everything when you think you're only getting the big news, and then you realize you're just getting all this shit. Because of the increase in notifications, chances are a person like me is going to push on them. Right. It's going to open up the app and then click on an ad by accident or something. It's all based on money. Well, even if you open up the app, it's going to show you an ad. Yes. And eventually you'll get to an ad. God, like, it sucks that. It's just, it's all about exposure. And so CNN is one. What's the other app that gives you anxiety? The local news here in Oregon. Okay. Turn but it fortunately, off. the majority of it is important stuff. It's not regarding a love, a couple reuniting after years of separation. Okay, that's not a big news story. Why would they? Why would CNN be sending me that? Stupid. Exactly. How is it useful to you? God, I feel like such a puppet. Yep. They got their hand right up your ass. My. So. Or are like, you thinking like I married it? I'm like the liberal Democrat version of someone that's dependent on Fox News. Yeah. Are you coming to a sad realization? The nice thing is that this uncomfortable feeling means that you're at a breakthrough. And I'm not so different from my mega brothers and sisters. Yeah. There's an extreme on both sides. Where, and you said this at the beginning, where were you getting most of your news from? Well, it was Twitter. Right. Before Twitter, it was MSNBC. Right. And then I migrated over to Twitter during the pandemic because I was wanting to get more information because I was sick and tired of what Bubba was saying on Facebook. So I went to Twitter, and there's a plethora of different voices on Twitter with right. blue check marks telling me what it was all about. <laughs> blue check marks. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a sad, sad fall from grace, Twitter. Okay, the crazy part is that the crazy part is that the government stepped in and forced the buy. Because didn't Elon Musk want to back out? But he was going to be sued. Yeah, he was going to be sued. So he decided to go ahead with it anyway. Right. He should have just let them sue him. He should have just let them sue him. He wouldn't have lost $44 billion. One of the biggest problems with America today, Rick, is... Dependency on our dependency on our cell phones, on our cell phones and, and being trained. And We're conditioned now. Yes. I am, and you are too. We all are. We all are. I and, and you, I tell my students this, and I'm gonna tell you, and I'm gonna tell everybody else. Is I fell victim to all of these things. I was the poster boy of all of this white rage and just misinformation and listening to people that I shouldn't and just not understanding the world and the community around me. It sucked. When did you stop listening to Rush Limbaugh? I never listened to Rush Limbaugh. I was never a, a right-wing crazy person, when which is crazy because I have a lot of right-wing crazy tendencies. When did you stop listening to Joe Rogan? I stopped listening to him 
because I listened to the Joe Rogan podcast for a little while because he had some insight, right? There was some interesting topics. He had interesting guests, and they there was some just crazy <laughs> that he talked about. But I stopped, I stopped like taking him seriously when he said that Antifa was up here in Portland starting wildfires. I actually love Portland. It's one of my favorite places to perform. Most most of the people there are very nice, but uh, there's a madness going on there. You want to talk about madness of crowds. They've arrested people for lighting forest fires up there. They've arrested, yeah. arrested left-wing people for lighting these forest fires. I've heard that from my MAGA Bigfoot friends, too. Right. Right? So there was this, oh, Antifa's up here. There's somebody who wasn't an authority figure claimed they found evidence of it. Supposedly some security footage. Some security footage of some stupid thing like that. Something that was just nothing. A nothing burger. And Joe Rogan just jumped on that horse and rode it around. And it was just a sad, lame horse. Well, he and does have was, investors. He does. Right. Uh, so that's kind of when I stopped. And then he went on to take Ivermectin. Yeah. And that was weird. The COVID disinformation. Wow. America Today. Boy, is it a mess. It's even crazier because of social media. Well, we're going to see what happens when the social media collapses. Which it's probably it's, in Twitter's death rows right we're now. In, we're in that the myths of Twitter imploding. Well, you can follow us on Twitter if it's still around by the time you watch or hear this. My Twitter handle is at Richter underscore Riolo. And follow me on Truth Social at Tim Breaks <laughs> like, It Down. Like, like, uh, beep. <laughs> that's, that's misinformation. Fact check, disinformation. Run across the screen. Follow me at Donald H. Christ. <laughs> follow me at Tim Breaks It Down. Hopefully Twitter is still around by the time our podcast gets put out there. Maybe. Other than we have to do some editing and add. Follow us on Mastodon. Oh, my God. Bring back AOL. I miss AOL. Follow me. Welcome. On AOL Instant Messenger at... Do a modern version of AOL. That'd be great. Tim for babes. You've got mail. Tim for babes. That's probably what it was or something when I was in fourth grade and made a handle. Tim, do you know what the next topic is on our show? Goodbye. No. This show definitely leads into it because of the conditioning that we are all in because of social media and our cell phones and corporate greed and et cetera, et cetera. Mental health. Oh, holy sh**. Yes. That's rough. Yes. It's going to be, it's going to be heavy. Do you have any mental health issues? Yeah. Do you think I have any? Yeah. Name one. You're gay. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the end-all, be-all thing with me. It's contagious, you know. Oh, I know, and I, I got to take a shower because it's all over me, and it's sticky. Um, if you lick it, oh God, it's a little fruity. Right. Well, and that's the thing. It's a little sweet. Look at, look at our, our, uh, our world that we live in. The, in. the World Cup in Qatar, I believe that what I just said as a joke to Richter, um, was 
an actual thing like the leader of guitar said or something along those lines there are people who think that it is a mental illness and will send their children off to camps to get corrected it's just it's crazy it's sad that people think that loving who you love is a form of mental illness and then religions persecute and throw gays off of buildings because of Sharia law in Iraq. Newsflash. I don't fly. Well, it's amazing how um, religion is not seen as a mental illness. It's pretty profound. We'll talk about that in our next episode. (laughs) Yeah, people search for meaning. Right. Well, um, and... I want to do a little research on here because I think the DSM-5 has something to say about what exactly I just said. What is the DSM-5? It's what's used to diagnose like mental disorders and things of that nature. Is depression a mental illness? I think so, yeah. Clinical depression? Schizophrenia? Pretty sure. Autism? Yeah. Is MAGA... A mental illness? I think not, but I'm sure there might be some mental illness that makes people susceptible to MAGA. Look I don't at, know. Look at Alex Jones. If that wasn't the poster boy. He's narcissistic. Mental, is it narcissism a form of mental illness? Sure. I think that everybody's mental health uh, needs to be balanced and any sort of like issue is going to be a mental illness. So you talk about schizophrenia and all these things. You can keep asking me all these questions. I'm going to say, yeah, if it's affecting your health and it's causing trouble in your relationships, then there is problems. That is a mental illness. So how do we define mental illness, right? Is it your inability to develop relationships with other people? Your inability to take care of yourself? Or your ability to take care of yourself or others. Inability to critical think. Right. Um, the disconnect, having no compassion. Mm. Sociopaths. We're getting into all these things that we shouldn't be getting into yet. Especially at the end of this episode. Right. <laughs> but mental health does cover a lot. It's a it tremendous does. umbrella. Well, and you look at like what perpetuates mental health issues like have have you had a mental health breakdown ever what is that that's a good question we'll look into that and what the hell that is in our next episode but the other thing is is like with COVID-19 with COVID-19 hold your thought with COVID-19 we were all all of a sudden in lockdown which put everybody in a box and we just stewed in our own thoughts and with just the same people or presence that we had And I think that a lot of people uh, were looking for uh, connection. And that's how MAGA kind of became. Because everybody was like, oh, look, I can find a a place where I can get my anger and aggression out in the worst kind of way. And you were welcomed and embraced. You were welcomed and embraced to do that. you felt like you had a connection with people. Right. And all of a sudden, you all could just be like, these people, the world, whoever we want. Somebody just direct us to who we need to and we'll them. That's a lot of. I got under. I have a lot of to give. I did have a mental health moment mm. this past spring. If you recall, 
when I was so upset about how my classmates were treating me at Portland State University. I do remember that. This and old guy. This old homosexual, age of 50, who had the audacity to return to academia to finish his bachelor's degree. How dare he? Was being shunned and treated as if he was the plague himself in his classes. And it was very upsetting for me because I'm a very welcoming... And you told me, Richter, you come on strong. You do. You do come on strong. But that's just who I that's am. That's you. I'm very open and honest. I'm an open right. book. You walk into a room and you just... <laughs> <laughs> and 19-year-old children don't react too kindly to someone like me who's no. comfortable in his skin, who has an opinion, who's assertive, who's loud, you know, and... Uh, is smart, can critical think, right? Can create and form an argument and back it up. They are just at the cusp of understanding that this world is full of bullshit, right? And so they're angry and they think they know how to make it right. But what they lack is wisdom, right? And that's that's what the issue is, right? That's where I think that they you know, tease discriminated against you um, because they just had no idea. They have no idea what the real world is. And you do. And that's very intimidating to them. So what's yeah. their reaction? They do the teenager thing and they, oh, yeah. we're going to poke the bear because we're going to... Ah. What worked against me was those students that treated me poorly uh, were my circle yeah. at school. And I felt like I was odd man out, and it was rough. I, for the first time in my life, I felt my age, and I started to doubt myself. What am I doing? Why am I back in high school? You know, it took a moment for me to reorient myself. Like, you know, f them. I'm here, it's and rough. I don't care. I don't. I don't need their validation. You know, they can all F off for all I care. Mm. And it took me a moment to get back to that because I'm a caring person. I can't help. I want the best for them. I want open discussion in my classroom since the teacher, mm. who happens to be 10 years younger than me, right, wants discussion. They're not talking because they're all on their cell phones like this. Right. And he'll, the teacher will ask a question, and there's like five minutes of silence. So, of course, I'm going to raise my hand and answer the question. Anyways, it's frustrating. I get it. It's frustrating because the teacher wants the dialogue, and the students don't. The Gen Z don't know they how don't, to. They don't know how to. They don't they, know how to do it. I'm not bashing on Generation Z. Please don't think I am. I'm talking about from my experience, returning back to college and being in a classroom with 18 and 19 year olds, whose only form of communication is Snapchat and TikTok and their cell phones. Well, and if I were a college professor, I would definitely make it clear to my students that you can come into my classroom and you can sit on your cell phone and you can not participate but i need to know who you are because that is how i'm going to grade you right and you can you know, the teachers know the teachers know and that's the thing like it's frustrating and i i i guess for me in there's more at stake with my students yeah uh that i have to push them harder well, because I realized my mental health, we're almost done, because I realized my mental health was on shaky ground because of uh, being odd man out, I mm -hmm. guess, the ugly duckling. 
there were no support services right. for people like me on campus. Those, the school's all about inclusion, and you're welcome here, and it's in all their propaganda. Right. But yet, come down to the nitty-gritty, I'm not pregnant, so therefore I don't have a social group to help me, a support right. group. You know, so uh, I'm not wearing pink and green hair. I don't have a social group. You there's, know, a, I'm, I'm LG, a, there's probably an LGBTQ alliance. Not to bash, but they are children. That's true. They are. I'm a 50-year-old male, first yes. and foremost. I do not have a support group at a university like right. Portland State University where other people in my shoes. I know there's other adults. I've seen them in passing in, in the hallways that are in the 40s on up, even 30s. There's no support group. There's nothing for us to reach out and mm. uh, seek each other out and to discuss and help each other coping skills everything else every color every gender every pregnancy you know but nothing support groups you're 34 years old yeah you're in the same camp with me right i remember so i remember my father worked at a college and his job was um bringing people back into college and so I don't think it doesn't exist because my, that was my dad's job was to help students graduate that want to come back and finish it. And he would do community college and then get that he'd have them finish up whatever they needed at community college to then go to the four year college. Uh, but they would do the two year track. So it was cheaper right and easier for them and that and and they support he supported the like his cohorts all the way through he had cohorts that he worked with and that's what i think you needed right somebody that you could call and say hey what the hell do i do and that my dad's job was this is what we do yeah right we go solve this problem he would help people solve problems and he would get people through it was great and portland state needed that now on the flip side mr this fall term I'm at, my class is totally different. It's been apples and oranges mm. compared to when I first started. I feel like I'm a part of the class with all four of my classes. Okay. Last term was probably just bad luck. I was dealt a bad hand in the very beginning. A bad first impression of the university. Sure. It's better now. So. Did I ever tell you about my experience in university? University of Portland? I went into the engineering program and I didn't have the like the the prerequisites, uh, but they accepted me anyway. And I tried to learn some of the stuff, but I remember one of my professors being like, "Dude, if you don't know calculus already, you probably shouldn't be an engineer." And I was like, "Wow, <laughs> you're an asshole." <laughs> and then I I got from another professor. I asked him if he could help me understand some of these like math things and he was like read the book dude and i was like i did i'm trying to understand this book and i just need you know somebody to kind of walk me through it and he's like i don't got time to walk walk through that with you oh wow. i'm like these are your office hours dude <laughs> and so i wound up I, and and don't get me wrong there were a few professors that were really good and that i liked but at the end of the day you know they all just were running kids through classes there was no they were either doing research or doing something or doing projects with seniors. They didn't care about the kids coming in. There was no teacher that connected with me. I'm sorry to hear that. I didn't know. You never shared that with me. 
I got it. Well, yeah. And then I, I failed out of it. Basically I failed out of, uh, my first year, not really failed out, but I failed, you know, a lot of classes. Did you ever take calculus? I tried. Is know. that a, pa- is that past statistics? Yes. Yes. I never did calculus. I did statistics in college. So then I got into the education department. I actually got into the, I had to go, they basically, I was told you're getting kicked out of the, the school of engineering, go to the Dean of liberal arts college and see if he'll accept you. <laughs> so I had to go to the Dean and he was just like, yeah, yeah, we're accepting you, but find something to do because well at the end of the day it's a business and they want your family's right and that's what it came down to and so at the end of the day i landed at education and i didn't mind education but (laughs) it was just all girls ew i got into elementary education because i liked kids i liked working with little kids i prefer them to teenagers so so do you think your journey had a payoff then uh, it did. It landed me where I am now, but God, the road was rough and it gave me some insight. Ah, it gave me some insight into like how our education system works and it sucks. And I feel like I've been through the ringer, maybe not on purpose, but whatever. My last question. So we can end the show tonight. P- tonight. Yeah. As a teacher, mm-hmm. is your mental health in jeopardy today with today's America, today's world? Is my mental health in yes, jeopardy? as a teacher. Yes. Right now. Absolutely. Because here's why. Are you walking on eggshells? Are you afraid to say the wrong thing? Nope. And be fired? None of that. Because I don't work in the public school system. I can say a lot of things. I can't say whatever the hell I want. I wish I could. I mean, I can, essentially. But I can be as political as I want. The problem is that there's so much trauma that our children are dealing with from covid from just the ambient political fighting and just and you divide. carry that you carry it comes into well, your classroom it comes into my classroom yeah yeah and you carry that because you're empathetic right and you're not cold to it no you kind of have to lean into it it sucks wow right you have to tell the kids hey it's okay to feel something and how many students have you known that have been killed oh god that alone weighs on your mental health. So in the five years that I've been teaching at the specific school that I'm teaching. Wasn't it six? I think it was six. Six students, yeah. I can't imagine. Which is more than one per year, which is on average. It's like one point something. And if your mental health is affected shitty. by that, imagine their friends, their environment Right. That's supposed to be an environment of learning and positivity, right. not of fear. So and, that's just next? directly me losing a student. There have been multiple times already this year that I have students who have lost direct siblings to like gun violence. It's rough. That's America today. It's America today. Guns, guns, guns. But uh, Oregon just passed some interesting laws. That yeah. is going to change uh, maybe not everything that it wants to, but it's going to change a lot of stuff. Increase background checks. That's really important. All right. You know what time it is. I think it's time we trigger you. Oh. 
I was scrolling through my social media and I saw that in China they are building uh, a pork factory, 26 floors of pork farm so they can raise pigs in a building and just slaughter them, everything in the house. So these pigs just live their life in a building until they're slaughtered and then processed and meat goes out, which one is uh, dangerous insofar as like disease and whatnot. But also, cult, like, like from, from our perspective, that just seems weird. It just, but from their perspective, it might seem normal. So like the treatment of the animals we eat and how we go about doing that. So for example, you saw in a film animals being slaughtered in a cruel way. Yes. Tukey bookey. Tukey bookey. Now, when they slaughtered these animals, like were they was it like it, it, could they have done it in an alternative way? Or was it just like stab? The the image that I saw cuz I turned it off. It was an animals being slaughtered out in the field. Mm. Blood everywhere. It was horrifying. Okay. And I couldn't. I can't handle that. Sure. When you're watching a movie in the United States of America, we have certain guidelines. You can't show things like that happening. Uh, no cruelty to animals while filming. And unfortunately, this was a film that was made in Africa that did not have any of our motion picture uh, American Association, the MPAA guidelines applied to it. And this was in the 1970s. Different culture. I'm not judging it. However, my instructor who assigned this film did not give us the warning, the courtesy of saying, by the way, it has severe graphic content. I've did had... the film give that warning? No, no. Cause it was sure. a, from another country and okay. different culture being applied. I've had other classes where the instructor said we're about to watch the documentary on the concentration camps. Night and Fog was filmed in the 1950s. It's very upsetting. It's very, mm. it's horrifying. It's gory. And because he, my instructor gave us that uh, disclaimer, I was then in a position to make a decision for myself. Okay, right now I'm of right sound of mind. I can handle this. I, I know what I'm going into. Sure. I can do it. When you're in that university setting and the professor is, you know, teaching. And this was, a, this was a big thing, I think, around the time when I was in college where people were talking about this particular issue. issue trigger warnings, right? Yeah. Should we, should professors be required to give trigger warnings for their classes? Absolutely. Okay. No, no question. That is where you stand. A hundred percent. Okay. For adult content. Sure. For the mistreatment of animals, children, women. But one might say that we are shaped by the traumas we experience. And I'm sure that that's, you know what, I absolutely know that somebody said that already. And there's a philosophizer out there that probably preached that and is in my textbooks that I probably had when I went to, went to school. Uh, and so from their perspective... Uh, they're going, we're traumatizing you in order to get you to have a perspective that is more empathetic for the customs and cultures of the world around us. And some of them might be more cruel than what we're used to. But that also doesn't take into account your past experiences. 
I am not paying an institution to f- traumatize me. Well, I'm paying one, an institution to f- teach me. One might say that that is how teaching happens. It's a, it's a state university. Yeah. Okay, so bull. Well, and maybe there's more to the story. There's more to the story. Richter turns into Karen here. If the teacher provided us any kind of disclaimer or warning or trigger, whatever you want to say about the film, I would have been like, okay, I might have Googled it, read about it, be prepared for what I'm about to see, make the decision if I want to see it or not. Because I'm trusting my institution and my instructor with content that I would assume was suitable for everyone all on the same page... I'm watching this film, and like seven minutes into it, it starts showing this out-of-context animal cruelty. We'll just leave it at that. I stop. I stop the movie. I want to be clear here. When you say animal cruelty... It's the filming of animals being slaughtered. Being slaughtered for fun or being slaughtered for food? I do not know the answer to that. Okay, because that that makes a very big and very important difference. I'm going to tell you about Killer of Sheep in a minute. Okay. So I stopped the film. I can't believe what I just saw. I'm going to fast forward five minutes. And guess what I saw? Another scene of this animal getting its whole neck. I'm not going to be... He saw a graphic scene. I... Boom. I was so mad. I went and checked the syllabus, the the module uh, for this class. Nothing was stated for what we were about to see. So I emailed the instructor, and I was very nice. And I said, I went back, and I checked everything. Nothing was said to warn us for what we are about to see in this movie. I very kindly request you substitute the film for me, because I will not watch this film. And... In trusting communication, I explained why. And I explained to my instructor what happened to me when I was a child, when I was seven and a half years old, what I witnessed with animals being killed. And to this day, it still bothers me. And I was entirely shut down for that entire day, not being able to function. I was lying on my sofa for the entire day. It just took me back to what happened to me when I was a kid. Right. So, again, going back to this whole situation, right? Yeah. It was traumatizing. Again, I think it's important to to look at context because, like I said, their goal was to expose you to what that film is outside of our norm, and it was traumatizing. And it wasn't what you expected, and it didn't take into account your past. I think the problem here is what you're about to get to is how the problem was then precededly solved. The instructor responded to me, telling me to open my mind and be challenged by the director's vision. Exactly. And I was like, whoa. Mm. So then I went to the director of the department, and they told me that there are counseling groups for me at the school to talk to about this. Mm, Right. Now we've gone from... How dare you're not heard. Atomic bomb to megaton. Right. So I, I went directly to the dean of students. Mm. 
And so I lost my stuff in a very professional manner on the dean. I'm making fun of you, by the way. It's, it's and, fine. And, and, and I'm doing it in an endearing manner because, again, you know how fast you can go from zero to 60. Uh-huh. And this is why we trigger Richter. <laughs> and she, the dean's like, okay, can we compromise? How about the instructor provide you with timestamps that you can watch the movie without having to see that gory content? And so I said, fine. And I was upset. And she's like, well, why didn't you communicate further with the instructor about this? I'm like, because I was set off and I didn't want to say anything that was going to be offensive or insulting to her. So I went directly to the director. That took me nowhere. So now I'm talking to you. I will not watch this film. That was the conversation I had with her. But given timestamps, that doesn't have that imagery. I, I, okay, fine. I will make the compromise. I will watch. Okay. Then the instructor sent a mass email to the entire class, giving them the warning for what they're about to watch with this film. So I was the sacrificial lamb. Okay. Because that film class was out of the film department, that teacher did not have to adhere to the film department's guidelines for controversial film content. Oh, oh that's interesting. Killer of Sheep. In the 1970s, a UCLA film student uh, made a film about an uh, African-American family, the family man, working in a uh, slaughterhouse. And it's a black and white film and shows animals being slaughtered and the cleanup afterwards and things okay. like that. It's, it, I was able to sit through that because the, the, the gore, the horror, wasn't for shock. Like the other film was, sure, you know, and the teacher warned us what we're about to see. So what you what you're telling me is that the teacher found a loophole where she didn't have to disclose what she was about to show you, and exploited it. There you go. Yeah. So that's where the problem is, and that's understandable. Yeah, and so the director of the film department said that they are working with other departments to make sure they're all on the same page when presenting films, so that other students won't be uh, offended by what they're seeing. Sure. So I remember in, in, when I was in college, uh, the, you know, I saw a few shocking things in film, but uh, I remember in my environmental science class, we watched, you know, things about like slaughterhouses and whatnot. And that was always shocking because you see like a bulldozer pushing a cow and it's like rolling over and such. It's just, this awful. And you're like, yeah, that's the beef we eat. That's, that's my burger. Can I get it with a side of fries? Right? God damn. It's just awful, but it's deliciously awful. When you first started off about the animal facility that mm-hmm. was being built in China. That was kind of what, uh, you know, and we lead into. Yeah. Um, I'm all for artificial meat being created. Oh, yeah. Someday it's going to happen. Sure. And I'm all for it. What I absolutely can't stand is um, Facebook. People would like to p- post videos and on TikTok too, of animals being killed or caged, about to be eaten, which includes dogs, and ah, uh, it's it's mm. awful. Yeah, cats. Oh my god, I'm gonna eat this cat. What's wrong with people? Well, people like the shock factor. They try to you know shock people, and that's how they get views. Complete complete strangers. Sure, they don't care who they're hurting. Sure. Well, it's all about, you know, the likes and the 
the, the views and all that stuff. Well, what do you think? You were, were you triggered? Yo. I think you were triggered. I think, I think you were very I'm still triggered. triggered, right? He's just ah. People are probably wondering what happened to me when I was a kid. When my brother you died. You don't need to tell us what I'll, 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 sure. Well, people are going to wonder. That's true. When my brother died, I was seven years old and he was 20. And my parents reacted in a panic. They didn't want to live in the same house that we all lived in. So my dad took a job in Mexico. And we moved, my mom, my dad, myself, moved to Mexico for a year. And my parents were grieving and they were running from their grief and their problems, which didn't solve anything. Sure. Here I am, seven years old, in a foreign country. I don't know Spanish. I know one word, no. Mm -hmm. That's it. Anyways, the kids in the neighborhood would take me out in the back Back of the house was this big field, uh, under underdeveloped field, like what you see in Turkey with these videos from the earthquake or you know the third world country. It was like ugh, it was a dangerous field for any kids to be playing in. Okay, and they had captured two wild or stray cats and were. Um, I know you're a cat lover. They were killing the two cats in front of me. And I remember being frozen, standing there, not knowing what to do. Uh, I was afraid. And I re- then it progressed. And they didn't hurt me physically, but they hurt me mentally. Sure. And That's damage done. And I have carried guilt my entire life because... Mm. I should have done something, but I didn't know how. I didn't know what. I was seven years old. Well, what could you do? Right. You that's know. the problem. So Why do you need to carry guilt? Right. I mean, I guess that's a human response. You know, yeah. what could I have done differently? Oh, yeah. If I could go back in time, I would have kicked those kids and saved those cats. So sure. Just, God. Well, but you were seven. They were huge. Yeah, they ranged from teenagers all the way down to my age. Sure. I don't remember how many kids it was, but I remember the fire and just everything. And I never told anybody. I never told my parents about it because I was afraid I was going to get in trouble. Mm. I was a part of it. I wasn't like, you know, they dragged me. Sure. We were all out there playing. And then all of a sudden it goes into that. You know, I could have ran away, but I didn't. I froze. Sure. Well, I mean, what do you do in that situation? Just, ooh, what are they going to do to these cats? It's rough. There is one good thing about America today that's positive. And what is that, Richter? I think there's a bigger and heightened social awareness about different people and their needs. The flip side is different people and their aggression towards those needs. Like, for instance, Black Lives Matter. That was global. Right. And then look how the kickback to that was, oh, you're woke, you know, so stuff like that. So I do think women's rights, marriage equality, Black Lives Matter, immigration, all these things are now really brought up to the forefront through Twitter, news channels, all forms of media, movies. There's no escaping it. Cell phone notifications. Right. So that's a positive. 
Nothing is being swept under the rug these days. Juneteenth, my God. We talked about that in a previous podcast, the awareness that we now have of that, that we did not have growing up because of our public education Mm -hmm. system. There, There is a positive thing happening in America today, social awareness. There is some social awareness, but... As a general. As a general good thing for the United States, if we want to end on a positive, we are going back to space, baby. Boom, we're going up there. Artemis. So we can get off this rock and pollute the solar system with mega. Right? Let's colonize. We're colonizing. Colonize space. I can't wait for the first woman to step foot on moon. I'm saying, let's go, girls. And an African-American. Yay! One giant leap for mankind and one pirouette for women. Seriously, the first African-American on the moon. Can you imagine? Oh, I can't wait to see that. Oh, I can't wait to see that. There's some positivity happening. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. There you go. Say goodbye to everybody. Goodbye, everybody. I can't imagine, I don't know what the, what the slang or the word was used uh, by the Nazis towards the Jews. I don't know what that word would have been. Yeah. But I can't imagine the, you know, the Jewish culture now taking whatever that word is and you know, dancing to it and making yeah. music about it. Thank you for listening. We here at Break It Down with Rick and Tim realize that some of these topics are very hard and difficult to talk about and to listen to. It's also important to realize that by turning the blind eye and not discussing these things, we're turning away from the light. And the only thing that can defeat the darkness is light. Be light. Give and receive love. And on that note, you can check us out on YouTube and our website, breakitdownwithrickandtim.com. See you next time.